Everyone have a good Thanksgiving. Feeling full of life and, and great food and all that stuff, yeah? Um, well, hey, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Pastor uh, Nick. I'm one of the elders here at the church. Uh, I will not be preaching today. Today we have the honor to hear from a great friend and mentor of uh, mine, Rick Ryder. If you don't know Rick Ryder, uh, he is pastor of Church of the Free in Chantilly, Virginia, and founder of Come Close Ministries, a ministry uh, whose heart is to uh, equip the saints of God to know their shepherd's love and hear their shepherd's voice. So uh, I first met Rick when I was, I think, maybe like a freshman in high school. He, I was uh, at a, a youth retreat, and he was the speaker, uh, and my life was changed that week uh, through what he was uh, speaking on. And, and I, I remember at a young age just seeing this man, and I was like, this guy's a man of God. He, he knows the Lord. He loves the Lord. And in 2016, through the providence of God, Rick and I actually connected. We ran into each other at a coffee shop. Well, I mean, maybe that's not providence. I'm usually always in a coffee shop. So, <laughs> But we ran into each other and struck up a friendship and a mentorship. And I can say, and I don't say this lightly, that outside of my immediate family, uh, Rick Ryder has had the greatest impact on my life in, in following Jesus and, 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 and really believing and receiving the grace of God for me the love of God for me, a lot of the ways that I've shepherded you in prayer uh, and the stories I share about this mentor. I, I have, it's, it's Rick, cat's out of the bag. That's who I'm stealing from uh, when I give him reference, which I don't often do, Rick. Uh, but now you're here preaching, so now they get you directly and not you through me, which is way better. So um, uh, it's an honor to have Rick here today. I think we need more men like Rick leading God's people today, a man whose heart is genuinely vertical, uh, not using God to, uh, to puff up his own ego, but just a man who genuinely is called by God, loves God, and loves nothing more than to invite people into his, his vibrant, living, constant communion with Jesus uh, that, that he has shared with me these past seven years in our uh, friendship together. So um, with that said, before I invite him on stage, he has just launched a ministry called Come Close Ministries. Um, I would ask that after the service you go, he will be at a booth in the multi-purpose room, which if you've been in is blazing hot. And the reason it's hot is because the past couple of weeks, our heaters went out on the roof and that's why it's freezing in here. Okay. So just a little side note. Um, so we're cranking the heat there over here, but anyways, it's not going to be as hot there. We turn off the heaters in there. After the service, Rick will be in the multi-purpose room. Um, if you want to learn more about Come Close Ministries and, and how you can get in, involved, then please uh, thank Rick for the message and, and go talk to him um, after the service. So with that said, I don't want to come and give a mini-sermon. I'm going to call up Rick Ryder to give the sermon. So let's put our hands together and give Rick Ryder a transit church welcome. This might not work today. We'll see. It might not. So uh, you're in the back. You're on the slides for me. Cool. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, I am thrilled to be here. Um, I feel like I'm in the midst of family. I, I've known Nick a long time, prayed with Nick a long time, prayed for your church for a long time, and it's always a joy of mine uh, to be here um, amidst uh, people that I love but don't necessarily know, um, although some of you have gotten a chance to know. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, Nick, it was providential, because I'm never in a coffee shop. Um, and I'm really glad that God brought us together that, that moment, because you've been a blessing in my life. Um, 
and I uh, feel very humbled by that introduction, and I can't live up to that. But uh, you've spoken in my life. You've encouraged me. You've uh, poured into me, too, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, let me pray for us before we get into God's Word. God, it is you that we come here this morning to meet. We come to encounter you, to hear from you, to experience you, but we also come to give you glory, to give you honor, to give you praise, and to give you worship. You are so amazing that the rocks will cry out your glory if we won't, but we're here to say we will, and we do. Would you speak to our hearts this morning and give us a better glimpse of who you are? that we might worship you throughout the week and not just here on a Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week, uh, what was on my heart was to answer a question that uh, many people have, at least my experience as a pastor is one of the most common questions that I feel like I'm asked. And I'm going to tell you what that question is. I think when I I tell you what the question is, I think you might say, yeah, I've kind of asked that or I know someone who asked. And I'm going to answer that question for you uh, very quickly. Um, the question is this, what's God's will for my life? Everybody seems to want to know, what is God's will for my life? It seems like it's a hard question to answer. It seems a little bit elusive, and we're always wondering, well, what what is God's will? I'm going to answer that question for you this morning, and probably a little quicker than you think, because it's not that elusive. It's not that difficult. It's actually pretty simple, um, and it's so simple that it's often ignored. It is so simple because we don't believe that might really be God's will for us. We think that God's will is is centered around uh, doing something grand for him. We think it's about performance. I need to do this for him. Uh, And if I just knew what he wanted me to do, then life would take off and he would be pleased with me. Well, this morning I want to answer the question for you the way God answers it, and he answers it in a very short verse. And uh, if you want to memorize a verse this morning, you're going to be able to memorize a, a verse really easily. But it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Here's what it says, commonly known. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know what the will of God is for your life and my life? It's to thank him. That's his will. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's not something that's elusive. It's actually just to thank him. The hard part about it, though, is to thank him in all circumstances. That's the hard part, and that's the rub. And the reason it's a rub is because oftentimes we think about God's will in our life. We're we're looking for something that's great, something that's amazing, and uh, sometimes we miss the chance to actually live out God's will for our life and thank him because sometimes we have to thank him in the hard. It says, thank him in all circumstances. Thank him when you're rich. Thank him when you're poor. Thank him when you're healthy. Thank him when you're sick. Thank him when um, you've got friends all around. And thank him when you're alone. Thank him when um, your dreams are being realized. And thank him while you're waiting for them to still come. Thank him when it looks like they'll never come to pass. And thank him uh, when it seems like it's just a day away. Thank him. 
in every circumstance of your life. That's his will. His will is that we as his people will see him and thank him no matter what is happening in our lives. God's goodness, we just sang about God's goodness, right? He is not good because you have good things. He is not good because your dreams are being realized. He is not good because you have um, finances that make you feel comfortable and secure. He is good because that's who he is. It's actually his character. When Moses wanted to see God's face, um, God said this. So I'll let you know about my character, and I'm going to pass in front of you. It says, I'll let all of my goodness pass in front of you. The way that God wanted to be known to Moses was, I'm good. That's first and foremost. He lists a whole bunch of things. He, he maintains love to thousands. He's abounding in love. He's forgiving. He, he lists, he's compassionate. He's slow to anger. But all these things are actually his goodness. We can thank him in every circumstance because circumstances don't determine that he's good. He's good because of who he is. And we thank him no matter what's happening. Thank him in all circumstances. It says it's God's will. So I looked up will in the Greek. I'm just like, what, what does that really mean? And, and what, does that, uh, what does God want us to get out of that? And the word means um, to please. You can please God by thanking him. It means it's his desire. He desires to be thanked. It's his, you can bring pleasure to his heart by just thanking him. It's his will. And this week we celebrated Thanksgiving. Um, but you know what the day is actually known for? Really not that much Thanksgiving. Usually it's known for turkey and football. Um, and we kind of miss the Thanksgiving part. Um, oftentimes our lives miss the Thanksgiving part because we're focused on other things. And so... Uh, we want to talk about uh, thankfulness today. So with that in mind, um, if you can give me the next slide. This is uh, uh, Jesus is telling a story. Actually, it's, it's not a story that he's telling. It's actually something that happened to him. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When they saw him, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. In this story, we have ten lepers. And they stand at a distance from Jesus because that's what they have to do in life. As lepers, they're not allowed to be around people. They have to announce that they're lepers. If they come near anyone, they have to say, unclean, unclean. Imagine going through life. That's, that's the way you have to live your life. You have to announce yourself. And the way you announce yourself isn't with your name. The way you announce yourself isn't in a good way. The way you announce yourself is, I'm unclean. You can't be near me. If you get near me, I'll make you unclean. So they have to be at a distance at all times. And, and they, they want to experience Jesus, and, and they, they hear about him, they see him. So from a distance, they cry out, have mercy on us. 
but they can't get close to him. Jesus uh, tells them what to do. He says, go and find the priest. And you wonder why, why would he say go, go to the priest? And here, here's why. Um, when a leper is uh, kicked out of Israel's community, it's because they have a, a skin disease. And this skin disease uh, is determined by the priest that they no longer avail- have no longer have ability to be in the community. They have to leave. They have to live outside the community. And the priest is the diagnoser. He's the one who looks at the skin and says, you're unclean. You can't be here. You can't be amongst us. Also, sometimes people would be diagnosed by a priest of, of being unclean. Sometimes their, their skin would return to normal, and they would come back to the priest, and the priest would diagnose them again. You're clean. You can be among the people again. So he's, the priest is the diagnoser. So Jesus is sending them to the priest so the priest can diagnose them and say, actually, they really are clean. But they're leaving unclean. On the way, they become clean. On the way, they become clean. And can you imagine? I mean, leprosy has got all these um, things about the body with the skin as it's rotting before their very eyes. Uh, they, they lose the ability to sense and to feel. They get infections all over the place. They lose limbs and, and fingers and toes because of, of the disease and stuff like that. And can you imagine walking along and watching your hands uh, just come to not just to... Uh, the disease of the skin disappearing, but whatever fell off kind of reappearing. And, and everything clearing up. Can you imagine on the way, when you're going to a priest who's going to diagnose you, you can watch your bodies literally change right in front of your eyes. Now they're going to go to the priest, and the priest is going to look at them and say, you're clean. You can be back in community. And Jesus is saying to the priest, I think for this reason, he's going to go send them to the one person who can say, I verify that that miracle happened. I verify that it happened. Jesus is sending them to the priest who really doesn't really recognize Jesus as the Messiah yet, who's going to have to basically say to everybody, yeah, what Jesus did, I mean, I'm the one who sent him out, and I'm telling you, that guy's clean. I don't know why. Now, along the way, of the ten, one is a Samaritan. In case you don't know what a Samaritan is, it's a half-breed. He's not fully Jewish. He's Jewish and something else. And it's part of the Assyrian captivity. And there was a way that the Assyrians, when they captured people, they would breed them out. And so Samaritans were a group of people who often were ostracized in the community also because they weren't fully Jewish. Of the ten, only the Samaritan comes back to Jesus. When the Samaritan comes back to Jesus, he thanks him for what has happened. What it really means is this. The Samaritan chose not to go to the priest so he could be connected back in community. He went back to the one who healed him instead. And that's remarkable because a leper has no ability to have community. They're often not touched. They're ostracized. They don't connect with anyone. And so the one person, the Samaritan, comes back and says, I don't need to be in community. I need to thank you. When Jesus sees this one come back and thank him, he says, weren't there 10 of you? Weren't there nine others? Where are they? And so you have to ask yourself the question, where are they? As I pondered that, and I thought about where they were, it led me to this conclusion. They wanted what God had to give more than thank him for it. They wanted community 
They wanted to be amidst people. They wanted to connect. They wanted other people to embrace them. They wanted to get a hug from someone. They wanted to see family necessarily. They, they wanted to see and connect with people. And they wanted the blessing of God more than thank him for what God had done. And I think sometimes in our lives, we forget to thank God because we're enamored with the blessing God has given Maybe we've been crying out for something for a long time. Maybe we've been wanting to see something happen. And as we, we wait for that to happen, when it finally does, sometimes we forget to thank God. Because we're so um, enthralled with what has happened. We enjoy the blessing more than the blesser. We live in the provision of God rather than in just thanking him. But the Samaritan, when he saw his skin change, couldn't wait to go and thank God. And one of the things that God put on my heart this morning was um, some of us are that Samaritan who thank him all the time. And maybe some of us just need to think back and go, what do I need to thank him for that I missed? What do I need to thank him for? Because it's the will of God. If you want to live in the will of God, there may be things in your life that you haven't thanked him for. And the will of God will make him pleased isn't what you're doing, isn't how you're performing for him. It's to just come back and say, thank you. You did that for me. Thank you that you showed up there. And and what happens when we thank God, even for things in the past, it helps us see the goodness of God in the present. A thankful heart helps us embrace the moment right now if it's not good. Because I remember he was good then. And if he was good then, he'll be good later. And I can hold on to him. He's a good God. Thank him. And if you can look back and you can see, how do I need to thank my God right now? And and you might not even know. Because sometimes we just forget about it. Things just kind of happen and we just don't even think we took it for granted. Well, ask God. If you're having a hard time, say, what have you done in my life that you want to hear me thank you for? What if you just asked him the question? What if you just asked him, what is it you've done in my life that I want to thank you for? And you'll have a a moment where you connect with him. He reminds you of things he's done. It will draw you closer to him. And then in turn, you can just say, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for that. But, you know, we're often a people are looking forward in in regards to what we want God to do next. Instead of looking backward. And, And here's the only way to look backward with a thankful heart. You only look backwards and say, God, thank you you did this. Thank you you did that. Thank you you showed up here. Thank you you provided there. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for that blessing. Thank you. That's the only reason to look back. Otherwise, look forward. Uh, But the reality is that when when we thank God, it helps us in the moment experience and embrace him right now. You know, my my son, he's uh, four years old. He's going to be five um, in just a couple weeks. One of the conversations that my wife and I have with our son every single day was how many sleeps? How many sleeps till my birthday? How many sleeps till Christmas? How many sleeps to Thanksgiving? How many sleeps to Halloween, which is his favorite holiday because it's costumes? How many sleeps? Every day we're answering how many sleeps 100 to 200 times a day. We've already answered the question many, 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 many times. How many sleeps? It hasn't changed. We haven't had a sleep yet. It's still the same number. How many sleeps? But the reality is that he's just looking forward because he sees something. He's like, I can't wait to be there. And a lot of us live the same way. We don't say how many sleeps. We don't. But we say, when will that happen? 
Because the reality is I don't want to live in this moment. I want to be in that moment. If you and I have a thankful heart, it'll help us live in this moment in anticipation of the next moment. But if you are always looking at the next moment, you will miss this moment. If you miss this moment, you will actually miss God. Because God is in today. He's not really in tomorrow. He's not really in yesterday. He's in today. Because I firmly believe this. If today is always right, meaning this, if my relationship with God is the way it's supposed to be, if if I'm connecting with him the way I'm supposed to, if today is always right, tomorrow can never be wrong. Never. If today is always right, tomorrow can never be wrong. Because I'm living my life today before my Lord the way I'm supposed to. And then he will lead me into the place where I'm supposed to be tomorrow where he'll be in it. The only way tomorrow is wrong is if I'm not connecting with him. But the problem is we live in tomorrows and we live in yesterdays and we have to live in today. And in today you can be thankful in every circumstance. And I know in a room like this all the circumstances are different. Some of you have things you're crying and mourning about. And I'm sorry. And some of you have things you're rejoicing about. And the scriptures say this, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And there's a whole spectrum all between and all these things. And what we can all do in every circumstance is we can still thank God. If you're mourning, you can thank him. If you're rejoicing, you can thank him. But the honest part is, when we are rejoicing, sometimes that's the hardest time to thank him. Because we're so um, excited about the things that are happening, we actually miss him. Thank him in every circumstance. And don't be like the nine lepers who didn't come back and who wanted the blessing instead of thanking the blesser. This is something that that Jesus uh, said and he asked, where are they? I wonder if God's asking us, What do you want to thank me for? You know, the Samaritan heard the question, the nine lepers didn't. It's recorded so we get a chance to see what he wondered about the nine lepers. Just take some time and thank him. Can you give me the next scripture? Now, I wanted to tell you um, why, why I do this. Why I talk about thankfulness. It's the will of God. But the other thing is, there is something about thankfulness that is unbelievably spiritually transforming. It has a power in your spiritual life that is, um, let me say it this way. If you want to enact the power in your life, be thankful. It is underrated. We don't understand what thankfulness really does in our life, but it is one of the things that empowers God in our life more than anything else I see in Scripture. Thankfulness. And so I want to show you a couple things about the power of thankfulness in your spiritual life and in mine. The first part is found here in Philippians 4. This is a section people know well. You might know it. Uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I uh, quote this verse a lot with people, and when I quote this verse with people, um, they they miss a a section of the verse. They miss a word. They'll even quote it to me. Like, yeah, 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 I know that. I memorized that. And they will leave out a word. It's, it's unbelievable how many times this word gets left out. But because of the sermon, I think you saw it. But oftentimes, this word is completely not there in people's memory. People completely forget about it. 
People are like, yeah, 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 be anxious for nothing. With prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. People drop thanksgiving from it even in their memory. Why? Because Satan doesn't want you to thank God for anything. He wants you to blame God for everything. He wants you and me to stop and not remember the things that, that God's doing so we don't think he's good. Because Satan wants us to think that God is not good. That's the way he twists us in temptation. So the reality is that it's not surprising that we've forgotten. But the most powerful word in that verse is actually thanksgiving. It says, present your request to God with thanksgiving. When you present your request with thanksgiving, it equals something. It equals peace. Do you know how many times people ask God for peace? Our prayer is like, God, would you give me peace? God, please, I, I need peace right now. But it's not wrong or bad to ask God for peace. Don't hear me say that. I'm not actually saying that. But what I want to tell you is that this verse tells you how to get peace. And it doesn't say pray asking God for peace. It says take your request, add thanksgiving to it, it equals peace. If you want peace in your life, you tell God what you need. You tell God what you're concerned about. You tell God what you're um, worried about. You tell God about all, all the things that you're anxious, be anxious for nothing, all the things you're anxious about. Tell him about it. And then thank him. And if you thank him, you'll get peace. Now, you can thank him for anything you want to. It doesn't qualify it here. You don't have to thank him for anything surrounding what you're anxious about because may maybe you can't find anything to thank him about in that particular area. Thank him for literally anything. If you can thank him for anything and you add that to the request, it equals peace. You know what that peace then does? That peace guards something. It guards the heart and the mind in Christ Jesus, which means it guards how you feel about the circumstances in your life. It guards what you think about the circumstances in your life. I don't know if any of you are analytical at all. I am, so this is a little self-disclosure. When I'm anxious, my mind runs. I don't know if yours does. I can't stop it from running. It's just running and running and running and running and running. And because I'm analytical, part of the thing is that I will think that if I think about this long enough, I'll figure it out. I never figure it out by, by thinking about it long enough. What I do is I lose a lot of moments in my life. I lose a lot of moments in my life worrying and trying to figure it out. And you know what? I can find peace, and I've applied this in my life. It has changed my life because I can stop trying to figure everything out. I can tell him what I need. I can thank him for whatever I can, and it equals peace. See, Thanksgiving will change your life. There is power in thanksgiving that will completely revolutionize your life. If you're an anxious person, apply this in your life. You'll find peace you've never known. I actually uh, taught this a few months ago at a, at a conference, and I got a backhanded compliment. I, I like backhanded compliments. And they even said, it is kind of backhanded, but um, I, I, I heard the verse, and we gave him some time to apply it. He goes, I applied it. And you know what? I had so much peace, I fell asleep in the next session. I said I was backhanded. So he fell asleep. And you know what? I could have been happier. And I said he rallied, he fought hard to stay awake because he wanted to hear else we had to talk about with fear. Uh, but he applied it, and it was that quick. Do you know that if you take the things that you're anxious about, the things that tempt you to think that God's not good, and if you thank him instead, you tell him about it, like, hey, I need this, but you thank him, it will equal peace. The peace that you're looking for, it's found in thanksgiving. 
It's that simple. Can you give me the next scripture? The other thing about it is um, some of us want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, 18, says this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to the debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I know you guys went through Ephesians, and you probably know being filled means to be influenced, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If you want to have the influence of your Holy Spirit in your life, then you probably want to know, well, how do I be filled? If I, if I don't want to be um, living a way that I'm not filled with Spirit, then if I want to, how, how do I enact the filling? Again, let me just uh, remind you, it is about influence, because it says don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. So if you're, you're drunk on wine, here's what it says about being drunk. If you've ever been drunk, you probably walked in a way you didn't normally walk. Did you, you, you would have stumbled, maybe you tripped a little bit, maybe you found yourself a little uneasy, unsteady on your feet, because alcohol is doing some walking in you. Maybe you've, you've said some things that you never dreamed you would say before. You know, it, it makes you a little bit more confident in saying things. Sometimes that can be good, and sometimes that can be bad. Either way, you're under the influence of alcohol, because it's the alcohol doing the speaking. Uh, the reality is that when we're drunk, alcohol is doing the walking, the talking, and the acting. Because sometimes we act uh, in ways we never imagined acting before. So what happens is alcohol is influence in our lives. We, we call it DUI, driving under the influence. Driving while intoxicated, it's under the influence, right? Well, if you're under the influence of the Spirit, well, you're going to perform... Uh, I, that's the wrong word. I don't want to say that. You're going to act in a way you don't normally act. You're going to speak in a way you normally speak. You're going to do a lot of things in a different way because the Spirit of God will begin to influence you in such a way that the Spirit of God is speaking through you. The Spirit of God is walking through you. The Spirit of God is talking through you. Now, how do you have that happen in your life? Believe it or not, Thanksgiving. Here it is. It says, uh, here's how you're filled. Verse 19, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. How are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Four ways. It's really simple. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Basically, just talk to each other about the Word of God. That, that's what it means. If you are talking to someone else and you are sharing what the scriptures say about God with someone else, if you're doing that, the Holy Spirit says, oh, you want to talk about me? I'll fill you. Now, the other aspect it says to uh, sing and make music in our heart to the Lord. Okay? Second thing, sing and make music in your heart. Just praise him. You know, you can be in the shower and do that. You can be in the car and do that. You can be in a walk and do that. You could be just in the middle of your job doing that. Because it doesn't say sing and make a joyful noise out loud. It says sing and make music in your heart. I'm glad it doesn't say out loud. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. It says sing and make music. It's, it's out of the overflow of the heart. See, if the overflow of the heart is just like, I want to praise you. I, I want to recognize that you're good, that you're kind, that you're compassionate, that you're forgiving, that you're wise, that you're the beginning and the end, that you are with me, and all the other things about who God is. Well, just praise him. And, and when you do, God says, oh, you see who I am. The Holy Spirit says, well, I'll influence you. I'll fill you. Well, the third one says, uh, give thanks to God the Father and everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks. If you and I are not thankful people, we're missing out on the filling of the Holy Spirit. But if you and I are thankful people, we get the filling of the Spirit. All you have to do is say, hey, God, thanks for what you did in my life. It doesn't even matter what it was. Great, small, 
medium-sized, whatever, just thank him. It's God's will. And if that is the way that we live our lives, the Holy Spirit says, oh, you recognize I did that in your life? You didn't do it yourself? Oh, you recognize I did that? It wasn't your grandfather over there that did it? It wasn't, it wasn't your friend down the street that did it? You recognize I did it? I'll feel that. See, when that, that leper went back and praised him and thanked him, the influence in his life spiritually was different because it says to that leper, your faith has made you well. Go, your faith has made you well. And I, I, I wonder, it's not clear, but I just wonder if there wasn't a special blessing that that leper got when he went back and thanked him and God said, your faith has made you well. Because there's other times when God says, or Jesus says, your faith has made you well, and it had more to do than physical healing with spiritual healing. There was more than just that. And there was oftentimes that God would want to do something in people's lives that was greater than the actual physical healing. If you want an example of that, the woman who was hemorrhaging for 13 years, I think it was 13 years, she came up and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. When she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed instantly. She's already physically healed. She has everything she needs, and Jesus says, who touched me? This is a large crowd. And I imagine Peter uh, being there with him going, are you kidding me? Who touched you? I mean, everybody's around you. You're crowding. We're trying to work our way through a crowd. Like, everybody touched you. Uh, that person did. That person. I, I touched you. I, I imagine Peter probably said something like this, just knowing his personality, at least the way his gospels describe it. No, but he says, no, no, no. I felt the power leave me. Who touched me? And it says that he went to that woman, had her draw near to him, and he ministered to her further. Now, why is he ministering to her further? Because she needed more than physical healing. And I think what happens when we're thankful, you get more than just the physical blessing. There's a spiritual component that changes. And there's something where God meets us in that place. And if you want to see your spiritual life take off in a way that God wants it to take off, not the way you want it to, but the way God wants it to, thank him. Thank him. Because if you do, the filling of the Holy Spirit, thanking God is one of those components. The last is submit one to another. Now, how, how can you submit one to another? When you realize that God is the one who's over your life, and I can lay my life down now because of it. I can, I can submit my life to other people because I don't believe other people are over my life. He is. And so it's very easy to take my life, to lay it down, and to serve people. Because I know you got me. I know you love me. I know you care about me. I, I know you are for me. I know you work all things together for my good. So it doesn't, I, I don't need to use people. I can love people. I don't need to use people. I can submit to their needs. I don't need them to submit to my needs. He's got me. I can lay my life down for you. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit says, you got it. I'm your everything. And I will influence you all the days of your life. Now, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, see, Ephesians tells you how to be filled, but doesn't actually tell you the result of being filled. I mean, it does a little bit. You have to look at chapters 4 through 6 for that, uh, and you, you can pull a lot of things out. But Galatians 5 is so much clearer. In Galatians 5, verse 22, it tells you the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
If you are lacking self-control in your life, don't try to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and will yourself to self-control. Self-control is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you're lacking kindness, if you're lacking patience, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. If you look at your life and you say, I'm missing some of these, these things in my life, the answer isn't don't make it happen for yourself. The answer is the Holy Spirit will produce it in you. How and when? When you're filled. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what's going to happen because that's who God is. God is love. God is patient. God is kind. That's who he is. If you run through the list of the fruit of the Spirit, that's who he is. So if you're filled with the Spirit under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he comes out through you. And when he comes out through you, he comes out in these ways. So if you are lacking any of those things, you know what the answer is for some of that? Believe it or not, thank God. Thank God. Thank him for whatever you can. See, thankfulness has a power spiritually we don't often recognize. If you will thank God, you'll find peace you've never known. If you will thank God, you'll find the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, and he will influence you all the days of your life. If you will thank God, you'll have the fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. You'll have it if you'll just thank him. Now, I recognize there are three other things besides just thanking him, but, I mean, if you look at sing and make music and you hurt to God, well, guess what? That's kind of thanking him. It's praising him. Um, so a thankful heart produces so much spiritual change in our lives. And if you're looking for a spiritual change in your life, the place to start, I believe, is thank him. If you can give me the next slide. Jesus, thank God. I went through the gospel and said, well, where did Jesus do this? Because Jesus thanked the Father. Now, I, I found six of them. I know I put four on them here. Uh, it was because... Uh, the first two, it actually, in most translations, it says praise, but if you look in the Greek, it actually says uh, praise and thanks are the same thing. Um, but I, I left them out because if you look and go, well, it doesn't say thanks. It, it does, but it's more in the Greek than the English. And it didn't really matter. I wanted to show you these things. Jesus thanked the Father before feeding the 4,000 and before feeding the 5,000. You know you can thank God before things happen? Jesus thanked the Father before he fed them. And he said to, in front of them, he said, I say it's for their benefit, not mine. Um, I thank you. And, and why did he thank him? He thanked him for what he knew God was going to do in his life. I know some of you probably have dreams that you feel like God's put on your heart. And you say, God has put this on my heart. I, I know it's from him. I haven't seen it. I haven't realized it yet. It hasn't happened. Well, Jesus is literally thanking God for something that the Father is going to do but has not yet done. If you're waiting for that, thank him. You can thank him beforehand. This is not name and claim it. That's not what I mean by that. It's not like, hey, I'm going to thank you for this because I want this to happen in my life. No, it's, I, I thank you because I know you're doing this in my life. I haven't seen it yet, and through faith, I know it's happening. I'm going to choose to thank you even though it hasn't occurred yet because I believe. He uh, praised, um, he thanked the Father before raising Lazarus from the dead. Again, he hadn't done it yet, but he thanks him. In the, the four instances I'm showing you, three of them are thanking God before he did something. Why? Because it's faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't see. You can thank God when you are certain about something you cannot see. 
And I think there's something powerful um, that happens between us and God when we thank him through faith, believing in something we, we're certain of, but we can't see it yet. Thank you. Uh, he also did this. There's two different instances in Luke 22. He thanked the Father before sharing the bread and the wine at Passover. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he celebrated Passover with his disciples, where we get communion from. And it says before um, he, he broke the bread, he thanked the Father and had the bread with them. And then he thanked the Father and had the wine with them. And uh, so he broke the bread and thanked him. So here's the thing. What is Jesus thanking him for? He's breaking the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. And he thanked him. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. And he thanked him, the Father. I think that's remarkable. Because what he's thanking him for is, thank you that I get to die for these people. Thank you, Father, you've decided that my body be torn in two, into pieces for them. Thank you that you have decided that my blood will be poured out for them. Thank you that you've decided to put your punishment upon me and not them. Thank you that I get to be a part of this, a part of the salvation plan that's your plan. And he thanked him. So we can thank God in every circumstance. Can you thank God for the things in your life that don't seem like they're going the right way? Can you thank God for things that are painful? Can you thank God for things uh, that are hard? Can you thank God for things um, that have a blessing for other people? And maybe not be felt like that to you in the moment. Now it does say, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What was that joy? He knew he'd have a relationship with me and you. You are the joy, and why he hung on the cross was like, I get to be with you. That's why he stayed. But that's talking about why he stayed. Before he ever got there, he thanked him. I thank you, I get to be a part of this. What can you thank God for that's hard? What can you thank God for that he decided in your life this is, this is what your life's going to have in it? I mean, Joseph's life has an amazing ending and a terrible um, experience all the way through up until the end. His brothers sell him into slavery. It's cut good. Can you thank him for that? When sold into slavery, he ends up in Potiphar's house. Um, he, he somehow rises up in Potiphar's house. As he rises in Potiphar's house, um, he gets the opportunity to be in charge of everything, but then he gets falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. Can you thank God for that? Well, then he ends up in the jail because he's falsely accused and convicted of a crime he never committed. Is God good, and can you thank him? Rotting in jail. And then a cupbearer and a baker have two dreams, and they get thrown into jail, and they're amongst Joseph, and Joseph gets the chance to tell him what their dreams mean. And he says, well, to the cupbearer, when you get back in Pharaoh's presence, tell him about me. And he's probably thinking, well, that's my ticket out of here. The problem is the cupbearer forgets him for two years, and he rots for two more years. Can you thank him for rotting for two more years? And then Pharaoh has a dream. And when Pharaoh has a dream, he tells the cupbearer about it, and the cupbearer says, hey, there's this guy in jail. I completely forgot about him. And uh, 
Now, now my memory does not escape me. You should talk to him. He can, he can tell you because he told us, me and the baker, uh, what our Jews meant. And he can tell you. So Joseph now gets in the presence of Pharaoh. And when he gets in the presence of Pharaoh, um, uh, he tells Pharaoh what the dream means. And Pharaoh says, who can we find that has the spirit of God like this? And he puts him in charge of everything. Can you thank God for each and every one of those experiences? Or could you only thank him for the ending of being in charge of all Egypt? The reason I think that Joseph maintains character and integrity is it does not say this, but it's the only way I could imagine it. He thanked God for being sold into slavery. He didn't know why. He's like, you're here, you're with me. And so he maintained relationship with God, and he kept his character and his integrity. When he is falsely accused, I think he had to thank God. I don't know why. This kind of stinks. But you're with me. When he's forgotten in jail, I don't know why. But I'll thank you for these two years too. There's a lot of things in our lives we don't know why. Stop looking for the answer for why. And start thanking a good God who loves you and has a better plan than you and I could ever imagine. Just thank him. And if you do, and if I do, our spiritual life will be completely and totally transformed. I wanted to give you an application. And if you could put up the next slide. When um, the worship team comes back up here and, and leads worship, and maybe they could give us a little music to just process a little bit, maybe just a couple minutes, just to kind of to do this. I don't want to talk about thanking God. I'd rather do it. See, if I talk about God and say, hey, thank him, that's great. You go home and you forget about it, and well, who cares? Nothing changed. See, talking about it doesn't really matter. Let's spend a few minutes thanking him. And some of us may need to go back and thank him uh, for things in the past. You might even have to ask him, God, would you show me what I need to thank you for? And he will. And spend some time thanking him. Some of you, uh, I'd venture to guess all of us have some things that um, we're anxious about in some capacity. Well, tell God what you're anxious about. Tell what your concern is. And then thank him for whatever you can. And peace will come. It will guard the heart and the mind of Christ Jesus. Uh, some of us, if we have a fruit problem, meaning like if I look at the spiritual fruit and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know how patient I am. I'm not sure how kind I've been. I don't know if I've been self-controlled. Well, guess what? If you thank him, uh, maybe that can get kick-started in the right direction. Um, and lastly, um, I actually already said it. Ask him what does he want you to thank him for and see if anything comes to mind. Let's spend the next few moments, even as we worship, and the song, the lyrics on the, on the, the screen can even guide you in ways to thank him. And, and maybe there's moments where you're singing the words that are on the screen, and maybe there's moments where the words on the screen spark something in you, and you spend that time thanking him. But don't leave here this morning without thanking him. Because if you thank him, your spiritual life will change. And if you thank him, you'll be living in the will of God. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for your word. But more importantly, thank you for all the things you are doing in our lives. The things that we notice and the things that we don't notice. You're a good, good God. And would you by your spirit remind us of things we can thank you for. We just want to spend time pouring out our heart and our thanks to you. In Jesus' name.